We'll have our first message by Mr. Ken Barton. What does God mean by peculiar? I want everybody to look to your right, person on your right, and then look to the person on your left. I've heard that, you know, one out of three people are crazy, so if they look good, I found this out in the parking lot earlier. Looks like somebody's designing something. Talking about uh, eight switches to be located to the left of the door and three vanity sconces and stuff. Anyway, somebody's designing a house or something. And if you wonder where it went, I have it. I can probably be talked out of it really easy. Because it means somebody's put time in it. I haven't. Thank you for coming. There's no pressure today, right? People are going to be watching. I have a little thing up here that people are going to be hearing. So, no pressure. Because I know who's in control, don't we? Now, what does God mean by peculiar? I was studying my Bible and I read in Exodus, Exodus 19:5. Now, therefore, if you will obey my voice indeed, and keep my covenant, and this is in King James, and, but I think they can figure it. Then you shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine. I have noticed that people are becoming more and more, well, peculiar in their appearance and in their actions. <clears throat> One has only to go out in public, it seems, to see what I think a lot of folks deem peculiar-looking uh, folks. Of course, I realize there's others who are probably looking at me and wondering. Anyway, the thing is, it's getting crazy out there. Uh, people are getting more and more tattoos, more and more uh, wilder modes of clothing and actions. This goes right along with what many people understand peculiar to mean. In the Merriam-Webster dictionary, peculiar is defined as not usual or normal, not well or somewhat ill, uh, or characteristic of only one person or group or thing, distinctive, special, particular, odd, curious. But I don't think that's what God really means. So what does God mean by peculiar? In the Hebrew, and if you guys had been here for this morning's study, you'd know that there's three. I, I only knew of Hebrew and, and uh, Greek. I hadn't even thought about the Aramaic and Daniel. But, so there, there's two languages mainly in the Bible. So in, in the Hebrew, strong concordance number 5459 is segula. I hope I pronounced that properly. And it's a feminine passive participle of an unused root, meaning to shut up wealth, as closely shut up, saved. You, you, you know, you have a, a safe that you put your treasures in. You have, probably a lot of folks have a, a, a safe deposit box 
at the bank or credit union that you put your stuff that you don't want to disappear in. So it's, it's a jewel, it's a peculiar treasure. Deuteronomy 14, to, uh, all of these the verses in the Old Testament use that uh, word, uh, segula, for peculiar. In Deuteronomy 14, 2, God says, For thou art an holy people unto the Lord thy God, and the Lord hath chosen you to be a peculiar people unto himself, above all the nations that are upon the earth. Kind of impressive. And the Lord has avouched or appointed thee this day to be his peculiar people. That's in Deuteronomy 26, 18. As he has promised thee, and that thou shouldst keep all his commandments. I kind of go back and forth. I try to get all the these and thous, but you works a lot easier. Psalm 135, 4. For the Lord has chosen Jacob unto himself and Israel for his peculiar treasure. Ecclesiastes 2.8, I gathered me also silver and gold and the peculiar treasure of kings and of the provinces. I get me men singers and women singers and the delights of the, songs of the sons of men. Solomon liked some good music. His musical instruments and that of all sorts. Then in, in Titus, we go into Greek. Periusius, I believe is the way this one is pronounced. And it's from the present participle feminine of a compound meaning beyond usual, that is special, one's own, it's peculiar, it's, it's something you like. It's, it's, it's your own, it's peculiar to you, you liked it. And then in First in Peter 2.9, he says, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. And this peculiar is peripoiesis. And it's the Greek uh, 4047, if you want to look that up. And it's an acquisition, the act or the thing, by extension, preservation, to obtain. Uh, it's peculiar, it's purchased. It's a possession, it's saving Christ has purchased us with his blood. So we are peculiar to God. So as I understand it, God wants us to be his special people. Chosen, a treasure that he has purchased and is saving. He wants us to be a jewel. He wants us to be set apart, different from the rest of the world. Many times you read in scripture where he tells people, don't be like the heathen, don't do like the heathen, don't do like the pagan. I want you to be apart. That's why I don't, no doubt, he said that he doesn't want us to be like the rest of the world. When the Hebrews were getting ready to go into the promised land, God gave them instruction that they were not to live like those people. In Deuteronomy chapter 12, he told them to get rid of everything that had to do with pagan religion and worship. Deuteronomy 12, 1 through 4. So these are the sta statutes and judgments which you shall observe to do in the land which the Lord God of your fathers gives you to possess it. 
all the days that you live upon the earth. That's a while. You shall utterly destroy all the places wherein the nations which you shall possess serve their gods upon the high mountains, upon the hills, under every green tree. You shall overthrow their altars, break their pillars, burn their groves with fire, and you shall hew down the graven images of their gods and destroy the names of them out of that place. You shall not do so. I'm sorry, you shall not yeah, do so unto the Lord your God. So he meant for them to go in, clean house, get rid of what these others had left there, which was the reason that he displaced them, dispossessed them. And I didn't, I didn't quote the verse, uh, look it up, but you know, he tells them, let me let you in on a secret. I'm not putting you in here because you were so wonderful, good, and holy, and great that you deserve this land. I'm putting you in here because those people were so terrible and so bad that I'm getting them out and doing away with them. In case they should get a little prideful, we do that on, from time to time. Today I'm going to focus on something that I've been noticing lately, tattoos. <clears throat> so bear with me. I may step on some toes. I don't necessarily intend to. What I intend to do is to give us some ideas as we go forward how to live our lives and how to how to comport ourselves because it's coming becoming more and more and more accepted it's, it's everybody's doing it everybody's getting them you know now let me do a, a commercial for our sermons over here and also I believe you can get this online Reg Noland in August 18th of 2007 did a sermonette Body art and bling bling. <laughs> bling bling is is all the jewelry and stuff that people wear, and when it when they walk in, it hits and goes bling bling. But anyway, it's a good sermon. I recommend it, which doesn't mean anything. <clears throat> but you know, it's getting bad when the military gets involved. <clears throat> Nicholas Wing with the Huffington Post reported on September 23, 2013 that the United States Army announced it was getting ready to ban new tattoos from the elbow down and from the knees down. I learned something about tattoos. Uh, one of the guys I worked with, his son, was a sergeant in the Marines in Afghanistan and fun places like that. And he was getting a bunch of tattoos. And uh, <clears throat> Thomas Watkins in the Associated Press reported in an article in 2007 about the Marines were banning tattoos. Uh, many Marines, for many Marines, he said, getting a tattoo is a rite of passage. They commonly get their forearms inscribed to remember fallen comrades, combat tours, or loved ones, and often ask for exotic designs that incorporate the marine motto Semper Fi, or always faithful. 
and they are. I'll give the Marines that. However, Leviticus 19.28 and the King James versions, and this is the only place really in the Bible that God talks about tattoos. You shall not make any cuttings on your flesh for the dead, nor print any marks upon you. I am the Lord. The English Standard Version, for a little bit of communication, you shall not make any cuts on your body for the dead or tattoo yourselves. I am the Lord. And I've noticed that some of the tattoos, instead of just being tattoos, they're, they're incorporating ways of making the flesh rise up, making marks, not just the, the colors, but, but, you know, three-dimensional, as it were. And, and a lot of them are concerning people that have passed, comrades, but something that the heathen did, according to God, and he really doesn't want us to do that. <clears throat> From the first, when he brought the Hebrews to the promised land, God told them they'd have to be different to live differently. The thing is, these tattoos are like a barometer to me, they reflect what people are thinking and what they are accepting. You see things that, that go further and further and further and further. You know, uh, of course, not just tattoos. You can watch television. Can you imagine anybody imagine uh, our parents if they'd seen some of the commercial, just commercials that are on television now? Forget the shows. In Leviticus 26, God tells the people that he will keep, that they will keep his Sabbaths and reverence his sanctuary. Then he tells them that if they walk in his statutes and keep his commandments and do them, he will bless them above all. If, however, they do not, they will receive the curses that God has cursed the other nations with. Key thing here is if we will serve God, then he will be an example or we will be an example to the other people of the earth of the blessings we will receive from him. People wonder why America always is the favored nation, why America is always so wonderful, why we do, you know, we have all of the wonderful things. And a lot of it was because we served God as a nation. We were a Christian nation, much to some certain person who says we're not. <clears throat> but as you notice... We're not enjoying the favored status that we once did. We don't have the wonderful cachet that we did at one time. People don't regard us with, uh, as, as being that great anymore. We're losing it, folks, and part of it is, is very, to me, uh, visible in our attitudes about things like tattoos. We're getting further and further out there on the edge. How do we serve God? He's real clear by obeying his word, by doing what he says to do, and by not doing what he says not to do. People will judge us by how we live and by what we do. The wonderful thing about God is that he loves us and he forgives us. Over and over again, we are told, if we will repent, he will forgive us. And he, he told 
the Hebrews. When they get, you're going to do this, you're going to mess up, you're going to get way out of field, and then you're going to call on me. And when you call on me, and when you turn to me, then I will hear. I will forgive you, and I will lift you up. But you have to do that. Second Chronicles 7.14 If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, and will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. 2 Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So he keeps giving us opportunities. Just turn to him. And the reason that I... When I was a kid, I had long hair, when I was 16, 17, 18, and my dad took me for a haircut. After he got his haircut, I got up in the chair, and the guy says, how do you want it cut? And I said, well, ask him, he's paying for it. <laughs> Good attitude, huh? He said, no, that's okay, never mind, so we got it, you know. We got the car, and he said, it's not your hair, it's your attitude. And it was. He said, you need to look. At people that you're hanging with, people that you look up to, Look. See what they're like and where they're going. And do you want to do that? And I listened. Worked out well. <clears throat> I had met Glenda and was trying to get a date with her, and she wasn't interested. She'd met me in my long hair stage. And really wasn't interested, but I kept bugging my best friend's girlfriend, who was her best friend, to get me a date. So finally she said, listen, just go out with this guy. And you can tell him it didn't work, you know, real nice, but, you know. So she told her dad, she's now this guy's going to have long hair. But I'm not dating him. I'm just going out with him this one time so that he'll leave me alone. and won't pester me anymore. And you probably figure her dad didn't like long hair guys. <clears throat> and so she was waiting, you know, as, as ladies will, to make a stylish, you know, appearance, at, you know, fashionably late. And she heard talking and she heard laughter and her dad was laughing she didn't understand that at all so she came in to see what's going on and this strange guy was here 
because I had my hair cut. changed a little bit. Really impressed her. I took her to a drive-in movie to see True Grit. <laughs> she didn't like drive-ins necessarily. She didn't like westerns necessarily. And she didn't really like John Wayne necessarily. So from there, I mean, where are you going to go but up, right? <laughs> so when you come to the Lord, Where are you going to go up? The thing about a tattoo, it ain't like long hair. You can't cut it. You can get it taken off, but it's going to hurt a lot worse than it did when you got it. And I've never had one, so I don't know how much, but I know there's some pain. But it hurts to get, get rid of them. So if you can influence somebody, maybe even yourself, later down the road, and you're tempted, think to yourself, not what would Jesus do? Think to yourself, what would Jesus have me do? What does God think of our rebellious attitudes and lifestyles? And should I be doing things differently? What will happen if things continue in the direction they're going? Perhaps we should make a change? What difference at this point can it make?